Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041-983-1100. You're very welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. You know we've had a competition all this week with the Crown Plaza in Dundalk. We have four in the hat today. I need one more. And if you enter the competition today and win... You're going to the Crown Plaza for a beautiful meal for two and a bottle of wine at the rooftop restaurant. So that's the prize today. But you'll be in the hat as well for the big prize, which is an overnight stay in their suite there for you and someone you love as well. What a lovely prize that is. And do remember that they're celebrating uh, in the Crown Plaza this year because it's 2018, Christmas is on the way and they have lovely Christmas party packages and their 2019 wedding packages are there as well. Check them out. Do indeed. Give them a shout there. Check out the website. But if you want to win this lovely prize today, here's the question. How many stories are in the Crown Plaza? So if you're driving by, you can count. If you know well, don't you? You can Google it. How many stories are in the Crown Plaza for the meal for two at the beautiful rooftop restaurant with a bottle of wine and possibly an overnight stay as well? Get cracking. 086-1800-658 with your answers and your name and details to WhatsApp or by text. And we pick somebody and the overall winner before the end of the show. I need not remind you, the Cup Finals on Sunday and they're back in it again. Yes, for the fourth year in a row, Dundalk Football Club take on Cork City. What a day is in prospect. And I have a man with me who's been following Dundalk, man and boy. And we're going to wander down memory lane with the wonderful Frankie Waters. Frankie, good to see you again. Good to see you, Jerry. Thank you very much for joining me. Do you remember the first time you went to Oriel? I I think I remember the first time I went to Oriel. I I, I went to school in the Friary in Dundalk. And, of course, Oriel Park is very near the Friary. And I think it was a cup replay against Bohemians on a Thursday afternoon. I think it was in the old ground, which means it's pre-66 it's hard to believe looking at me though. That, oh that, my god yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's an impossibility. <laughs> impossibility no I don't remember the score actually I don't <laughs> think we won it but I do think that's the first time and the reason was that Paddy Glynn the principal of the school was a, a great soccer man and my memory is that we got the half day to go up to Oriel Park. Now, imagine giving the half day off now to go to a, to go to a, a soccer game. Uh, you can imagine what would happen now. Yes. But, but that's my memory of my mm. first game. And I, I think it was pre-66. And no lights, afternoon. 
Afternoon, I think it was a Thursday afternoon, yes. no lights, the old ground. Big uh, crowd, I'm sure. For oh, a big crowd. Play. I remember, and I should have checked before I came in, but it would have been a very big crowd, yes. as they were. The, the crowds in the 60s were much massive. bigger than they are now, mm. massive crowds. Mm. You, you know, you were getting maybe for big games 6,000 people at a game in, in Oriel Park, yeah. you know, and... Yeah. Uh, you know, well, that, that was it. Well, there was no alternatives. You yes, know, what was yes. the alternatives? Jerry? But you were smitten, and you know, young for the sixties. Let me ask you this, because you really hadn't the influence, had you, of match of the day and that no, league over there? No, there was none of that. My, my, you know, there was no, you know, match of the day, say on the Saturday yes. evening. There was none of that. So there was none of that alternative. Mm. So, so, you, and, and I suppose you, you, the only soccer you knew was actually. The, the soccer that was the, in League, Ireland, of Ireland. the League of Ireland, yes. you know, and of course in in the sixties, it was a great League of Ireland. You had the mm. Shamrock Rovers teams, which of course Dundalk kept coming up. You, of course, you had the great Waterford team, you know. So you've all of those memories, teams mm. that are gone from Condra, yes. Know, so uh, great yeah. times. Great Actually, time. uh, you know, I followed Drogheda for yeah. my sins, and I Kinda can remember that. All right, from yeah. <laughs> Condra <laughs> were the first team I ever saw yeah. on the old Lourdes Stadium, yeah. and I can remember that and as a child. I remember the Lourdes Stadium too. Yes, going yeah. there as well. Yeah. But look back to Dundalk. Mm. And, and your following of them. So it, at that time, the team was your local team, mm. the, the black and white, you were supporting yeah. them, and that was your focus. Th- that was the focus. And I, I remember the, the first teams, I particularly remember the Alan Fox teams, from around about 66, yes. 67 onwards. And, you know, that, that was a great team. Mm. You know, you had Turner, you had Ben Hannigan, you had Danny Hale, you had all of those players, Kevin Blunt and Goals, great. And again, the rivalry, you were coming up against the Shamrock Rovers, yes. great games. Was course, he there when they won the League 68? Was that Fox? No, That was, was Fox. Was it? Yeah, Fox was that's yeah, league win yeah, that year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That Fox. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and a very entertaining team. And of course, that was that was that then was the first entry of Dundalk into Europe. I think it was Vassas the following year. That's right. And then Utrecht the year after that. So, mm. you know, and that started that journey for Dundalk as well mm. which is still going on for Dundalk Absolutely. in Europe but mm. Fox Alan Fox a famous name in Dundalk yeah. history and success with him and then you come on to the era of Jim McLaughlin was Jim, Jim was before Turley or was Turley before no, Jim? Jim was before Turley but, yeah. but I have a soft spot for a man called John Smith uh, who was the manager I think in 73-74 mm. and John was uh, very his team was a very entertaining team it didn't always win but a very entertaining team and some of the, the, the team that uh, that Jim McLaughlin eventually built were already there. You had Tony Kavanagh, you had Jimmy Dainty. I think McManus was already there at that stage. You know, so so th- the core of what McLaughlin built subsequently when he came, I think in seventy, I think McLaughlin came seventy four, seventy five. Mm. You know, it was built in my view by John Smith. You know, because they're an entertaining team that didn't necessarily win, but they they certainly entertained you in losing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But look, at people remember teams like yeah, that that yeah. play expansive football mm. and lovely football mm. as well. But McLaughlin really was a game changer for Dundalk, wasn't he? Oh yeah, I, I remember hearing about this man called Jim McLaughlin who signed. Of course, he had a long track record in league football in. Uh, England and of course then he was with Swansea I think when when he eventually came to us and uh, yeah that was a huge turning point huge Mm. turning point and of course he built a number of teams McLaughlin that first team again which was a very entertaining team which again had fond memories of Tony Cavan etc in particular and uh, and then of course they won the league and they won the cup and there had been a a bit of a break since we'd done that and so McLaughlin, McLaughlin here I remember very well, very, very well. And what about players from that team? You mentioned Kevin. What about the defence he had, his goalkeeper oh, well, and backline? Well, so the, they were just unbelievable, weren't Blackmore, they? Blackmore, yeah. uh, Dunning, um, McConville, 
Uh, God, my memory's not Martin Lawler. Martin Lawler. Uh, and of course, for a while, uh, Brian McConville as yes. well, for a yes. while, you know, which was very sad when that happened with Brian. Mm. Um, but tremendous uh, backline. And of course, damn it, Keeley. How could I forget that? Oh, Keeley. my God. The man uh, himself. The man himself. He's now emigrated to Spain, you know. <laughs> so, uh, tremendous backline. Uh, yes. And uh, still remember that backline. Of course, you have the questions now in Oriel Park about which is the best team. Which, of you know, course. And, and I, you. I've come to the conclusion you really can't make those sort of comparisons, mm. but that defence was just extraordinary. They were unbelievable. Yeah. And the European nights, what about the big games? I was uh, down at them myself when Celtic came. Uh, they, I remember that oh, Celtic. Uh, Tommy McConville's toe. Oh, yeah, Lord Tommy Almighty. McConville's toe just away from the quarterfinals of the, of the European yeah. Cup. And now, the way it's now structured in Europe, really, it's structured in such a way that teams like from from the smaller countries like ourselves, it's very very difficult mm. for them to actually get to that mm. sort of stage ever again. You know, mm. um, of course, the Dundalk now would be hoping group stages of the Europa League or maybe yes. group stages uh, in at some time in the future of the Champions League. But you really, that's a that's. As mm. far as you're ever going, they're to, making you know. it more difficult as well because they're now bringing in another round. There's another round, and in. you know, okay, you get a few more pound, but you know, there's yes. another round, and mm. you know, really to get through three rounds, as Dundalk did a couple of seasons ago, but to get through four rounds, tall order, very, tall. very tall order. Oh, they're gearing and, it towards the big boys. Yeah, and, you know what I mean? That's, and, and they're gearing it towards television. Yes. And that's who they want. And do they not understand football is at the grassroots? At but the huge positive publicity that Dundalk's run. Yes, was it two years ago. Yeah. Give to the League mm. of Ireland, you know, and I remember the occasion. People had heard about Rod Stewart arrived at Oriel Park one day. And they were telling me this, looking at the cameras, and thought that looks like Rod Stewart. <laughs> and of course, the reason he was there was because of what happened the mm. run in Europe. And it really, I, I've spent, I've been in Dublin a lot at that time, and uh, people would stop you and say, "Brilliant, what mm. Dundalk are doing!" You know, mm. they the really lit up the whole yes. League of Ireland scene, yes. and we're very positive attention to it. You know, but hopefully we see that again. Yeah. And titles, you look when you look at the titles in the 30s, then there was a big gap to the 60s, mm. the 70s, there were league titles there, into the 80s, the 90s, mm. and then the gap from, you know, 94 Four. to 2014. To 2014. There was a 20-year gap as well. Do you remember the First Division days? Oh, I do, I do. Oh, and I remember going down to the First, well, we came up from the First Division in 2001, and then we went straight back mm. down to the First Division. Um, of course, the, the highlight of that was that, 20-year gap was winning the cup in 2002. Yes. And, uh, and uh, be managed by some fella called Stephen Kenny. Yes. Uh, that, I don't know, right. what, don't know what happened to him. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> and, you know, two goals from Gary Haylock. And I, 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 one of my fondest memories, I was asked, probably one of my fondest memories of Dundalk was that day in April 2002, sun shining, you know, huge Dundalk crowd, outnumbered the Bows mm. easily that mm. day, went behind and then Two forty minutes of torture, if my memory serves me right. You know that we held on and held on. Everything worked that day. Unfortunately, yeah. the, the previous weekend, having beaten Monaghan, I think three nil up up in uh, up in uh, Gorchkeen Park, um, we needed a result from the Longford game, and Longford drew one all with mm. with St Pat's, and that put Dundalk down. And it took a long, long time to come back from that. A yeah. long, long time, and a lot of good people and a lot of the co-op and a lot of people came in and you know it, but kept it alive kept it alive but 
getting out of that first division, uh, sorry, as draw the United know, yeah. it, it is is very difficult. Yes. You know, it's very difficult. It is. And, and, and not getting any easier, I suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the two tens, it isn't. Yeah, and that yeah. playoff holding with but, only and, one going you know, up. And, the number, team, mm. yeah, you know, only one going up. It makes it very... And then, then the gap is huge. Yes. There's no doubt, that, you know, um, and you see that with the teams that come up each Absolutely. year. Absolutely. They very often go straight back down But again. you know, I sat in this studio and I remember we're 10 years on the mm. air here and I can remember one day... Uh, Dundalk fans coming on here in their droves because it looked like the gates were going to close. It did, and I, I you know, um, I suppose to be honest, Jerry Matthews, you know, came along and Jerry put a lot of lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort. The Youth Development Centre, you know, and and I'd have to praise Jerry, you know, that really mm. stepped up to the mark with no background, by the way, that I was aware of in, in soccer with Jerry. You know, you, mm. you'd say to Jerry, "But Jim McLaughlin team," and Jerry'd look at you. you yes, you, who's the Jim McLaughlin yeah. team? You know, mm. so but he stepped up to the mark, and of course, then Andy and Paul came along uh, and took over, and and and. They then decided to take a, a journey up to Bunkrana to mm. talk to some fella called Stephen Kenny. Yes. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. But it just shows you that from the brink of disaster, mm. where, you know, Jerry did his part, mm. others played, and then this happened with the mm. two boys and now the new group in as yeah. well. It's inspirational. It's it's brilliant, you know. Something in the back of your mind, you do worry, you know. But you know, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth. No. You know, this is this is brilliant. You know, yes. Let's, yes. let's enjoy it. Enjoy let's, it. Let's enjoy no, it Frankie, let's, that is the let's thing. Enjoy and it. our Dundalk fans enjoying it. They really are. The mm. other thing about the club in general, I think it's really come back again. The importance of the club to the town and the people. I was been interviewed about something completely different recently and I made that point about the importance of Dundalk Football Club not just now but particularly in the difficult times of the Troubles mm. that there was one great thing you could always say about Dundalk you know there was the McLaughlin team that great football you know because Dundalk got a lot of negative publicity through the through the Troubles particularly in the 70s and 80s and you know it, it was always something in the town you know to be proud of yes right through the bad times and still of course now the good times mm. still proud of the team absolutely you, know? you can see the lift you drive down the black and white mm. is everywhere the, you know what the great thing is mm. all the children and young people wearing Dundalk shirts not Liverpool you, shirts or Man United or you walk around Dundalk you don't see children wearing as you say Man United it's all Dundalk mm. and it's not just children it's you know it's yes. teenagers it, it's and it, people my age and people older than me <laughs> come around have you one, Frankie, have yeah, you yeah. one of your own? Yeah. Oh, of course, I have yeah. several. I have several. And, yeah, yeah. And my granddaughter recently, there, she I acquired a, an outfit for her because my son-in-law's from Down, and he bought her a Down outfit. And I thought, no, <laughs> that, that that I have to match that. I have to match that. So, uh, no, it's brilliant for the town. Uh, it really is great and a great sense of identity and, and that's important you mm. know, that's important mm. um, through the years the success you mm. know at, at those dark years in the first division mm. are long past now and Dundalk riding high and you mentioned mm. Stephen Kenny it, it it does show you though the importance of a manager we talk about McLaughlin you mentioned Fox there Turlock O'Connor mm. in his yeah. time that man Smith it, yeah. the manager is crucial crucial and, and those people in particular were absolutely all of them they, they brought their own impact and brought their own brand to Dundalk, but they were central to the success, you know. And and, and Stephen Kenny is is 
talks about that himself. But it's not just about Stephen Kenny. It's that whole backroom team, the team he's built up around him. You know mm. that that makes Dundalk Football Club what it is now. It's what it's as much what happens, not just on the pitch but off the pitch, is now in this day and age nearly as important. Mm. You know, and Kenny has that squad and that team around him, and and that's absolutely brilliant. Who um, do you love from this crop? Who, uh, if you were to pick one of them from well, this well, bunch? I, I, I hate being asked the question, you know, who's your favourite player or whatever. And again, I, I hate comparing periods in time, but um, Gannon, Sean mm. Gannon, I, I, five times, five years in a row, named in the League of Ireland yes. team. Uh, if I was writing out the Dundalk team, the first name I would put down is his name. Mm. I think he's an extraordinary player, and I think it's brilliant that we've been able to hold on to him. I, it often surprised me that with some players that have left us, why why hasn't somebody come knocking? I don't want them to. Thank God he, yeah, they thank haven't. God, thank God they haven't. He's been so know, important to Dundalk. Have. We were chatting mm. about the League of Ireland champions Dundalk and probably on Sunday, double winners mm. as well. Frankie Waters is with me. He's following them since he was in short pants, as you heard a few moments ago, and we're going to talk more after this break. I think the blood that courses through his veins is black and white, to be honest with you. I think it is. Ah, think it, it certainly is. is at this stage. <laughs> you know, Cup Final Week, we were talking there just before we came back on, the club's buzzing and there's people contacting from all over the world. There's a fella, well, I tell you this, coming home from Australia for the match and flying back the next day. What commitment? But you want to mention somebody special. Yeah, I wasn't only part this morning and, and Martin Connolly and Mal Brannigan mentioned a, a contact that came through in the last few days Walter Durkin who was the goalkeeper of the 1952 Dundalk Cup winning team contacted the club in the last few days and he wanted a jersey and he was going to pay for the jersey <laughs> well needless to say he got his jersey and he didn't have to pay oh for it but I, I think Walter might be only one of two of the from, fit, that, team. from that team still. So he lives in Washington DC so if you're listening Walter I hope you enjoy the, the jersey oh you know, Walter yeah. good yeah. on you yeah. isn't that a great yeah. wee story <laughs> isn't great. it yeah. now 10 cup wins mm. there's been the, the last two finals have been disappointing against Cork what's your gut for Sunday Come on, they're not going to lose a third one. They're going no, to win no, this one. We, we should have won all three cup finals. We were the, <laughs> know, we were the better know, team. Last year, I think, was one of my low points. If I was asked low points, losing any game or any team losing a game on um, penalty shootout is an awful way. Mm. To, but it's particularly awful to use a cup final. Yeah. I remember leaving uh, the Aviva and I thought, oh, God. Um, but look, absolutely we should win it on yes. Sunday we're the better football team yeah. and that's no disrespect to Cork who are a good team but yeah. we're the better football team Cork will stop us or try to stop us playing as they've done in the last three cup finals but I, I think this time Dundalk have a point to, to yeah. make you know, I, I really feel that, lo- that that's the lose case lose three cup finals in a row you don't want to be remembered for losing three cup no. finals in a row. No, and yeah. I know you have the league, and the yeah. league is the pinnacle to win your league. But a cup, a cup final day is a great old day, isn't yeah, it? Before we went down to Cork and we won the game down in Cork, all if you spoke to most and doctor, oh, not worried about the cup, we win the league, not worried about the cup. Suddenly, when we got the league, oh, the double, the double. <laughs> yeah. you know, suddenly, everyone wants to win the cup <laughs> yes. now. Uh, but the league is is crucial, and the league is crucial financially. Yes, and that's why the league is so important that it gives you access to the qualifying rounds for the Champions League mm. and that's where the real money is. Yeah. And, and the reality with Dundalk Football Club is that if they're going to sustain the success they have and maintain the playing squad they have, etc., it's money. It's all about money and the only place you're going to get money is in mm. Europe. Mm. You get 100000 for winning the, the title. It's a drop in the ocean 
um, really. It's yes. a, it, you know, um, particularly with say with the squad that Dundalk have at the moment. Mm. So it's it's really, and of course Stephen Kenny is very much geared towards European football. Yeah. That's really, the and target. that's where he loves testing himself now, doesn't he? Yeah, it, Against the brains uh, of yeah, football he, on he the loves continent. That. Yes. He absolutely loves that. Mm. Uh, of course, don't want to talk too much about the Larnaca game, but ah, you know, look, but, yeah, the, 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 these things happen in Europe. Absolutely, you know, and, and Larnaca proves subsequently just how good a team they yes. they are. You and know. there are other clubs that mm. you will know, and you know this yourself, mm. in what are termed the lesser countries, yeah. like Cyprus, Ireland and smaller, who are also making strides yeah. and see this avenue of revenue yeah. as well. I'm amazed when we went to Cyprus, you know, and, mm. and saw, you know, there wasn't, there was Nicosia and there was, there was Larnaca that Dundalk played and the stadiums and the grounds they have. Uh, you know, and of course, that's all built around European football as well, as with Rosenberg in, in mm. Norway, same mm. again, you know, built around. European football. Yeah. That, that's how you build it. Yeah. So the, the potential's there. Mm. Potential's there. League of Ireland, uh, yeah, League of Ireland is a, is a difficult place mm. uh, unless you're at the top of the League yes. of Ireland. Yes. You know, it's, it's not it, easy it's, at it's all. It's not easy. Um, when it comes to cup final day, mm. you know, practically speaking, the night before, do you sleep well and how do you feel <laughs> going up there? Are you <laughs> I, nervous? Or, I, I what? sleep well. I, uh, I, was, I was at a particular place in the last three cup finals Um um and I decided this year, no, I wasn't going there. That, that there's a uh, Paddy Matthews is organising an LMFM bus. That's I understand correct. from Dundalk, and I'm going on the LMFM oh, lovely, bus. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> hey, boys, you're and girls, you're in the raconteur himself is with you going to the final. Going to the final. So a bit of a change this breakfast. year. Breakfast. You'll have breakfast on the way. Oh, you know, oh, breakfast this as well. in City North. Yes, very the, nice. Very important to get yeah. breakfast um, <laughs> and and whatever else. And really looking forward to it. You know, mm. uh, um, so. Great, that's that's my day planned, and of course now that we understand there's going to be a civic reception for the team that's on Monday right. night in Dundalk, win, lose or, or yes, draw, yes, just to mark the fact that it's not so much just this league, but to mark the success of the team over the last five or six Absolutely. years. Absolutely, and that's at half six at the square on and yeah. uh, on Monday night, and that's going to head win, lose or draw, mm. as I understand. The club is in a great position. When you even look at the league, Cork are there, mm. but a bit behind, may I say, at the moment. Mm. There doesn't seem to be anyone else going to rock the top two is there over the next while I'd, I'd watch Shamrock Rovers um, and I'd watch who they sign this year in particular mm. um, you know we were told that Cork have to cut back their budget and that number of players are leaving Cork and I'd be interested to see I would be surprised if one or two of those don't turn up in a, in a hoops jersey um, they, they have a good team Shamrock Rovers hate saying that they have a good team Shamrock Rovers uh, Bowes plays some lovely football mm. but, uh, also a supporter of Keith Long I think he plays great football with Bohemians mm. so there are teams out there and, yes. and those teams are proved Shamrock Rovers are proved they can beat Dundalk mm. and you know I suppose need to be careful what I say but you know maybe a, a league where three or four teams are competing with each other to win the title is a better all round. Would make it more interesting. Yeah, it I, I understand what you're saying. What about the stadium? What about the Oriel? You're there for the foreseeable, it looks like, is it? Yeah. You know, oh, the yeah, way Loud have it, announced they have a new GAA stadium coming to Dundalk, yeah, the county uh, grounds. I'm delighted about that. Yes. Great to see that, uh, you know. And, uh, of course, Drogheda with the FEI are developing a, a yes. new ground, which is great as well. Look, I suppose that I've said it before because um, I was involved in drawing the strategic plan up for Dundas Football Club a year or two ago and we, we, we looked at this and said, no, we're staying we're staying where we are, uh, first of all. Yeah. Um, now, does the site have potential? It does have potential, particularly we do. And the Youth Development Centre offers all sorts of possibilities. But again, it comes back to, to money. And the reality is I don't see any significant development in Oriel Park 
unless Dundalk find themselves again in the group stages of the Europa Cup where you're getting six or seven or eight million, then you can turn around and say, you know, we could you can start to yes. do something. You can start. It's a huge commitment, isn't it? It's it's a huge. You remember you start doing that. I mean, a lot of teams slide over great ground, you know, but you put a lot of money into your facilities. And then if it doesn't work on the pitch, mm. well, you have an empty facility. You, you know, you, you've hit the nail on the head. Mm. There's one thing at a club that counts, and that mm. is the first team. Yeah, I, think, I know and you have the underage structures yeah. and everything. It's the first team. It's all about it. It's all about the first team. Yeah. That's, that's what it's all about. Now, Kenny, Stephen Kenny repeatedly talks about Oriel Park mm. and his disappointment mm. at mm. Oriel Park. But I think he knows himself that the reality is... Europe is the answer to that, and European money is the answer to that. It's it's sad having to go to Tala every year. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, Dundalk always play very well in Tala. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. Look, yeah. please God, yeah. that that's for another day. Yeah. Anyway, good luck in the cup final on Thank Sunday. You, I, to know you be, all I know you'll Dundalk. be fully behind us. Oh, Jerry. listen, cheering all the way. You know yourself. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Best wishes yeah. to the neighbours on but, Sunday. But, and look, I do feel that it is your day, and mm, it will be Dundalk's mm, day, and they are the best team in the country. Anyway, mm. that's it. Great to hear uh, that from a draw man. <laughs> Thank you, Frankie Thank Waters. You, Thank you indeed Thank for you. joining me. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drada, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Sometimes you come across stories by accident, and that's the story with my next guest, because I spotted she posted something online, and I said to myself, by God, I think that lady has a story. And I'm just going to read you a little excerpt from uh, the post she uh, put online, and it was very open and very frank. I quote, I had no confidence growing up and was shy, quiet. Even now, I still have to work hard at confidence because I always let other people views of me put me down. I was always being someone else to please them and not being the true me. Those are the words of Grainne O'Neill, who's with me on the show now, and her daughter Grace is with her here as well. You're both very welcome. Good to see you. Thanks very much. Thanks Sherry. for coming in to me, Grainne. The, um, this post that you put up on uh, online was very frank and very open. Yeah, I just think that a lot of people online are very judgmental lately and you always have to have this certain appearance in your social life. And if yes. you don't have it, then you're being judged or you're being put down by other people. So like true life, I would have been put down over my appearance. I was called ugly and all this as a child. So that kind of stuck with me, true life. So like if someone compliments me now or calls me pretty, I don't believe it. <laughs> so it kind of... Yes. Yeah, so. Where did that start? How, how, how early in your childhood can you trace it back to? Oh God, it would probably be when I was about eight to 10 so I know kids are kids and they can be cruel in what they say but like it's it does kind of come on in your life as well and it kind of affect you throughout life I would have a high forehead I kind of got used to that now but that one stuck in my head so I went out and got a fringe I know it sounds stupid but it was to cover it up and yeah but now I'm trying to come out of that person yes. like to try and accept So you me. took that to heart, did oh, yeah. you? If, 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 if other children slagged yeah. you or teased yeah. you about I that. I would be very, I was a very sensitive child. So. I, I was going to ask you yeah. that. You must have been, you know yeah. what I mean? To take things like that on yeah. board. So that an example of what you did to try and counteract that as well. And that's that was with you. That was just you within yeah. you, was it? Yeah, that, it was. And then trying to get out of it now, like I know I'm 30 now, so it's taken a long time, but I am trying and it is still 
takes a lot of work because then I'd be saying, oh no, I don't look like that person. Or you're always comparing yourself, which is a bad thing. And people have to try and get out of that. You don't want your kids growing up thinking it's not okay to look a certain way. Yes. It's just like you are who you are and you have to accept that person who you are. Yes. And like I think everyone's beautiful. It's the person on the inside, isn't it? It doesn't matter what you look like. Absolutely. Yeah. And that holds true for absolutely yeah. everybody. So this continued as you went through school socially, yeah. anything you ever did. You yeah. felt inadequate. You yeah, felt I, yeah, I had to I felt like I had to keep on pleasing other people and what they wanted me to be and mm. Yeah. So So this is with you. Did you talk to your parents about this? Did you let people know or did you keep this I within? I kind of would have kept it to myself. Like, or I wouldn't really say much to anyone yes. about it. And, and and that's a difficulty in itself, isn't yeah. it? Because you were internalising yeah. it yeah. within yourself. Definitely, yeah. So you went on through school and you were studying away. You came to your leaving cert year. Yeah. And this beautiful <laughs> lady who's sitting beside you here, uh, yeah. your daughter. She made an appearance. She made an appearance. You you were actually in leaving cert year when you were pregnant, Yeah, you? I was seven months doing my leaving cert when I was pregnant. What age were you? Uh, I was 16, so I was young. My <laughs> Very young. My God, you were yeah. young, weren't you? But, um, yeah, best decision in my life now. Like, I can't look back and change her now. Like, she's Why the best thing ever. Why would you? beside you Oh, here. definitely. Beautiful. <laughs> but at 16, in school, it must have been a, a, a difficult... Was it a difficult time for you yeah, in school? Yeah, it would have been difficult, especially, like... Try it. Being pregnant, especially, like, I was missing a lot of school because of morning sickness. I suffered a lot from that, so... But now I got through it and I passed my leave mm. and thank God I have yes. that behind me. So you, you had Grace yeah. in June of... No, I had her in September. Sorry, was that after the exams? Yeah. yeah so you I were didn't. expecting Grace yeah. when you actually sat your yeah. exams? Yeah, I was. God, you had a lot in your mind, Oh yeah, you? definitely. And yeah. then trying to study at the same time. But yeah. thank God, anyway, I got through it. And that was what, 2005? Yeah. That, yeah. Then. Um, were teachers supportive in the school? Oh, definitely. Yeah, your family? Lovely. Yeah, brilliant. Friends? Brilliant support. Yeah, I didn't have a huge um, circle of friends, but I had really close friends. Mm. So I didn't mind as long as I had them as well. Yes. Yeah. Now, when she arrived, you have a new baby oh, and yeah. it's a big responsibility <laughs> at 16, 17 yeah. years of age. Were you confined socially? Did it restrict you? Yeah, definitely. I so you had to look that. after her. Yeah. yeah. And like, I always wanted a child. I always wanted a sister growing up because I have two brothers. But okay. So when she was a girl, it was an, a bonus. <laughs> yeah. But it um, was definitely like restricting me like from going out. And I'd be seeing my friends. We were just finished school. So everyone was going out 17, 18, partying, you know, as you do. Yes. And I wasn't going out as much. So like, I suppose you'd lose certain friends mm. along the way but like yeah my close friends always stuck by me so okay, I so always had them that core of friends was with you but yeah. others obviously drifted oh yeah they? yes yeah. yeah definitely so you finish your leaving cert and you, you devote your years then to rearing your daughter is that yeah, it yeah. yeah I had a part time job at the time I was in sixth year and I was doing I was working in the pound world because I was doing work experience yes. for LTVP at the time but then I ended up getting a full time job from that so when I had Grace I had 20-30 hours a week so it was fine because my mum was there and she was looking after Grace for me mm. so I, I had the support around me to be able to do that I know everybody can't Yes, but it was grand then to go out and have a bit of normality with adults as well yes so. yeah but you brought grace up as a single oh, mom yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the dad wasn't yeah. involved no, at all no. you looked after yourself so time goes by and you move along is you know having her like you have your own child is a huge responsibility yeah. and you're rearing her and that makes you grow up pretty quickly definitely, yeah what about this lack of confidence did that continue yeah no definitely continued if not it was worse because maybe because i was so secluded like you know i was kind of on my own yeah. like in my own head a lot because I wasn't 
I was comparing myself to people as well. Well, I, I wish I was out doing this or like I don't have this life because I have a child, but it was the life I chose and I'm not, I don't regret it, but it, now that I'm 30 and she's at home, she's independent now and she wants her own space and this, it's given me now like um, a push to kind of go and do something with my life. So I'm just kind of exploring options yeah, now. Yeah, I understand that as well. Now, 2015 was a very significant year in your life. Yeah. You were very close to your own mum. You yeah. lost her in 2015. Yeah, yeah. Was that a huge blow to you? Massive, mm. massive. Like, even to this day, still, it really would get me down. Certain days I could be okay. The next day I could be, it could be like yesterday that she died. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we were all very close and even Grace as well. It was like our second mum, basically, because we all lived together. Mm. And um, yeah, she died of, from breast cancer in 2015, she oh was God. diagnosed in 2011. She found a lump, but it was too late. She felt the lump, but she never went and got a check. So mm. it's very important like, to know your own body. But yeah, unfortunately, yeah, we lost her in 2015. And you married that year that as year well, as well did seven you? months later, yeah, I got married, so that was even tougher. And did your mum know before she passed that the wedding oh, was yeah. arranged and yeah. everything? Oh, well, I wanted to bring it forward. Did but you? But no, she didn't, want any, she didn't want to hear it. She said if that hadn't happened, she was going to be there anyway. But um, earlier, after she died a month later, I went to see a medium. And she told me that she'd be at the wedding, your mum was going to be there. And she goes, and you're going to get a new car. So we got married and then we got this new car. And she, the medium was after saying that she, my mum said she'd be with me and to listen to the song, you know, Garrett Brooks Just Dance. But she, we already had our music set. Picked. Yeah. So I just kept that in mind anyway. So a few months after the wedding, we went and bought, upgraded the car. Yes. And as I bought it, it was after buying and paying for it and everything. And I looked at the reg, it was my mum's date of birth. So I was like, oh my God, there's the sign. And then that night I was sitting in the, car playing with the radio trying to figure it out and the previous owner had left a CD in it and I pressed play Gareth Brooks the dance come on and I said that is totally the sign that oh, she was with me my word I really do believe in these synchronicities oh, in life yeah, I do definitely. I absolutely yeah. I've experienced things myself Grania that I just say isn't that yeah. just amazing it's not incredible yeah you can't deny that was a sign like, on the number yeah. plate and the yeah. CD left yeah. in the car with yeah. the song and amazing. I didn't twig when buying the car like I didn't twig the date of birth on the registration it just came to you <laughs> yeah, then all, was all of a sudden I was like hang on a second that number looks familiar and I was yeah. like that's mum's birthday so you're married now I am three years there. Congratulations Thank to you. you on that. But you are working hard to build your confidence. Yes, yeah, you are. Yeah, I'm trying. I set up um, a new Instagram account because I'm doing modelling shoots with my actual, my photographer that did my wedding. Yes, no. So this guy who did your wedding spotted something in you and said, "Listen, come back and come do back and shoots. let's yeah. do this." Yeah. And you've done a, a photographic shoot. Yeah. Have you? Uh, do, do you want to go into? Do you want to do some modelling? Oh yeah, no, I didn't when I got it done for us. That was just personal. Yes. Like, for for me to have for when I'm older like as well and to build confidence I suppose yeah but um, it was Barry McCreevy from Reflections he's very good lovely and he asked me then to come back and do mm. another one and I did it and I put it up on social media like, I know social media now were you big. nervous about that yeah I was when I was doing it and I said like when I was putting it up I was like but sure don't mind I'm proud of them so I was putting them up, but then I heard people were giving out, like saying, "Oh, did you see what she put up?" And mm. like you know, like saying, "Oh, she not she should be embarrassed and all that." I'm only looking for attention, which I was I was totally not looking for. It was only personal. I was trying to, but like if everyone else is allowed to put their own pictures up, why aren't I? Yes. Why do I have to be judged on it and all that? But people, I heard once I heard people were giving out and talking about me behind my back, I took them down, 
and then it was two months ago or something Grace was she has amazing confidence and I was a bit down and she said a few things to me and I was like do you know what actually why should I care what other people think it's only me like that matters and my family and who I want to matter I shouldn't care what other people think about me yes but um and this young lady encouraged you to put them out into yeah, the public domain yeah. again and you feel good about it. Oh yeah, and I said, And why and should I, you worry exactly. about other people? You know what I mean? Yeah. If we all started to worry about what other people think about us, sure. Oh, I can we'd be all in a hole. Yeah, we would. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's a great yeah. a great saying. Let's bring your daughter into the conversation. Yeah. She's sitting there. Grace, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Thank you very much for joining me. Yeah. You're a first year student, where? Yes, in Green Hills. And you're only in there, are you? Just early days, yeah, first just, term. Uh, two months now. Starting off there. You're sitting listening to your mam there and you, we hear what you said. You encouraged her. You said to her, listen, come on, let's get going again. Yeah, because I remember one day we were sitting in the kitchen and she said to me that um, she was like ashamed of her forehead. Well, not ashamed, but like she didn't really like how people what people said to her when she was younger and I said why do you always wear your fringe down like it's nothing to be ashamed about it's what you look like not what it shouldn't be up to anyone else to decide that you look nice or you look different because we're all different in our own ways basically yes and you said to her let's get going here again you're beautiful the pictures are fantastic let's get them up there and let people see them do you have you known, like, you know, in your young life that your mother has lacked this confidence? Um, No, see, when I was younger, I used to be very close to my nan and I'd be always by her side. So after nan passed, I kind of, I went to mam for a bit of, like, support. And I kind of, we've just been really close ever since. And I only really found out, like, about last year that she lacked confidence. Yes. And you are a girl who doesn't lack confidence, is that right? <laughs> Yeah, basically. But, like, sometimes I would be a bit nervous. Mm. Like, I remember last year there was a talent show and my friends all pushed me to do it, but I didn't want it. But in the end, I ended up doing it and I ended up feeling, like, a hundred times better after it. Yes. But she is full of confidence, Granny, isn't she? You've told me. I wasn't like that at her age, Sammy. (laughs) This young woman inspires you. Is that the way it's working? You sort of, you know, are a tag team now. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. If I'm low, she brings me up she always did anyway <laughs> even if yes. I was sad and all she'd have to do is say one thing and she'd make me laugh and mm. I'd be back to normal again coming back to your uh, your portfolio that you've mm. put together and that and you mentioned you are 30 years of age at yes. this stage but there are tremendous opportunities for women of your age yeah. and beyond do you know yeah. what I mean to do stuff like this yeah. is that something again I'm just coming back to it you will pursue now hopefully now do you think your yeah. photographer can help you with that yeah he actually I set the page up on Sunday uh, on Instagram a new page just basically for Mm. modeling mm. pictures and uh, Barry got in touch with me and he asked me would I be interested in doing another shoot now to, to help me with my portfolio and you're going to do it yeah tomorrow hopefully oh, there <laughs> so you go quick. there you go yeah. but isn't confidence such an important thing for all of us Definitely, in life yeah. to, you know to, to have confidence and not to knock confidence in people either but to try and build exactly people. like if, if you even say something nice to one person once a day once a week whatever it is like you don't know what that person's going through and you're piece of kindness can lift that person their mood and everything it can have a knock on effect then throughout life it certainly can so where to from here what do you see yourself where, where do you see yourself going I don't know not yeah. yet well I'm hoping something yeah. happens with this modelling thing yeah. if it doesn't I'm as well interested in air or flights and all like, are you yeah, yes so air hostessing maybe yes I'll okay see. yeah they're always looking yeah. I saw a big 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. That actually yeah, last week. Did you see that yourself <laughs> yeah. as well? For opportunities yeah. there. There are many, so many opportunities in the world. Up. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, I did. I went to college after it was in 2014 and I studied uh, healthcare. Mm. I was actually doing that for mum because to help look after her more. And uh, I got uh, all distinctions in that, but I ended up getting an allergy so I can't wear rubber gloves okay. and sure I so can't so that rules that yeah, out for you so, yeah. like, so you have to look at something yeah, else it's a simple, it's a simple as that options. what about Grace what about you Where have you any idea what you'd like to do you're only starting off in secondary yeah, school well, I know. I've ca- uh, ever since I was younger I've had an inst- uh, interest in forensic science and at the moment I'm looking into business and forensics Brilliant. at the same time yeah Fantastic. Very interesting area. Very, very interesting indeed. She can employ me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course. Your mum will look after you and take care of this and then you'll have to return the favour yeah. <laughs> at a later date. Look, I think you're so brave to... I really mean this. And it's shown, it's shown great courage and determination to publicly say what you said. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a lovely piece, I have to say. And you were straight on and dead on about it and what you're doing as well in developing a, a career potentially in my Modeling, as you say, or maybe if that doesn't wherever. work out for you, whatever. Yeah. Be confident. Yeah, like be confident. Everyone to know, yeah. like, not to be mean to people and try to encourage people to be kind, a lot kinder. I know, like, because there is a lot of people out there that is sensitive, like me. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, of course, and I know you wanted it then when I spoke to you. Come on here yeah. today and talk publicly about this. Yeah. And you should take this step today oh, yeah. <laughs> as another step in building confidence yeah, as well. Definitely. To come in here for the first time to a radio studio and be as eloquent and talk the way you have is just brilliant. Yeah, thanks thank you so much. Thanks I want to say a big thank you. Thanks, Grace. Thank and thanks, Grainne O'Neill, for coming much. in on Late Lunch today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. I have a very special request here this afternoon, which I want to play for you now. (laughs) 
make tales to wedding veils from pinafores to lace and in between are the special years time never can erase from play toys to college boys from little girls to wives and in between are the special years you remember With sweet promises and pain But love will never taste Quite so wonderful again So slow up Don't rush to grow up You'll be a woman before long So stay a while In the special years Their magic Will soon be gone Just stay a while In the special years Their magic Yes, Mr. Val Dunakin, a blast from the past on late lunch this afternoon. That's especially for Olive Dean. Happy birthday, Olive. She's celebrating her 98th birthday this very weekend with her siblings, sons, daughters, daughters-in-law, nieces, nephews, grandchildren, great-grandchildren and friends in Dalgan Nursing Home in Dundalk. And she's having a big, big party tomorrow, Saturday, ahead of the FAI Cup final on Sunday. And Olive's up for Dundalk. Come on, the town, she says. And she also wants to let me know that she can't wait for Michael D to send her out the cheque in two years' time. Ah, Olive, do you know something? I'm delighted to play that Val Dunigan song for you this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed it because it was a favourite of my late mother's and it brings back many, many memories to me as well. And that request came in today from Herbie Ellis. Thank you very much, Herbie, and delighted to oblige for Olive at this very special time in her life. Now, our competition on late lunch this week. Today's winner, the Crown Plaza Hotel, launching their 2018 Christmas party packages and their 2019 wedding packages. We have a meal for two with a bottle of wine at the rooftop restaurant, and that today goes to 
Helen Carraher from County Mead. Well done to you, Helen. There are 14 stories, yes, 14 stories in the Crown Plaza. So now, let's do the needful, because one of the five winners each day this week on Late Lunch is going to be staying overnight at the suite there. Beautiful, beautiful overnight stay. I have five names rolled up in little rudimentary pieces of paper here by uh, our receptionist, Karen. She's just handed them in to me. I have nothing to do with it. Pauline McSweeney's there, Deirdre Muckian, Jerome O'Brien, Erin Culligan and Helen Carragher this afternoon. Let me give them a little swish round the table and pick out one of them there. Who is it going to be? Let me open it out and see. In Karen's handwriting, it is... Pauline McSweeney. Well done to you, Pauline. You're going to the Crown Plaza Hotel for an overnight stay with breakfast there and you've already won the meal for two with a bottle of wine. Congratulations to you and well done to all the other winners. After the break, it's an all-women's motor racing team on Late Lunch. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. I feel the need, the need for speed. Name the movie. Top Gun, of course. Yes, you know that one, don't you? But I'm revved up in studio this afternoon because there's three gorgeous women here and they are flyers when it comes to four wheels. Yes, I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch Nicola Watkins, Emma Dempsey and Amy Woods. Girls, really good to see you. Thank you very much for joining me. Well, well, why don't you tell them why I'm revved up? Come on, Emma. Oh, it must be about our six-hour endurance race in Mondello Park this weekend, is it? It certainly (laughs) is. What is this all about? Yeah, so uh, basically we have pulled a team together of four ladies and we are going out to uh, race in the six-hour endurance race at Mondello Park in a Ford Fiesta 1.2 ZTEC. So, yeah. Is that fast? Um... (laughs) Yeah, relatively, I suppose, for a race car. It's got everything taken out of it, so it's got a roll cage, a bucket seat, um, mo- a few modifications to make it into a race car. So it's light, so mm, yeah, it goes. It can shift. It can, it can. But the, the thing about it is, all the cars around you are going at the same, more or less the same pace. Right, So you've Nicola. got 30 cars going into the first corner. Yeah. All so, together. All together, yeah. So that's that makes it very exciting. So, Nicola, this is 30 teams in this 30, event. 30 teams in the event. And it's six hours driving. Six hours driving. Which you girls, there's three you here, and who are we missing today? There's Ru- one not here, as Ruth Nugent is not here, okay? There's four of you. Do you rotate it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So what happens is, um, we all go out to qualify on Sunday morning at nine o'clock. We have an hour's qualifying. Mm. We've each got to do a minimum of three laps in the car to set a time. And then obviously we want to try and get quicker and, and get as far up the grid as we can. So um, whoever is fastest out of the four team members will start the race. Okay. And the maximum that you drive is 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. So we'll do a driver change sort of every, every 40, 45 minutes. Um, so we'll probably have about um, two stints each. Mm. Uh, and then possibly a third then depending sort of how timings go. So um, we then finish in the dark. So the last hour of the race is going to be in the dark and that's the exciting bit and yeah. you know when you think about a race uh, I'm thinking of Hamilton and Formula 1 he's ahead of the rest Will you, do all the teams pull in at 45 minutes you know what I'm saying that nobody gets is there pit stops are you allowed this yes they all have different strategies and everyone's going to either run it could be anything from a 7 stop to a 9 stop um, or it could even be 10 and you also have to factor in if you have problems with the car you're going to have to come in Yeah. so every team has a team manager and we've recruited um, David Hall as our team manager 
Um, he's a kind of pseudo female for this event, yeah. <laughs> but um, he's uh, he's he's kind of going to do a strategy based on our times um, okay. and based on how fast we are, and then we will uh, work off that. So, Amy, are you telling me at the end of this whole thing they add up the time really for all the teams? Is that it, or is it first past the line? First past the line at six o'clock. Six o'clock, the the checkered flag. Okay, you get the checkered flag, and and that is the winner. So you will be finishing in the dark at this time of the year. Yeah, Yeah. I mean we'll we'll do about two hundred and sixty laps. Like it's there's there's a lot of a lot of laps on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of it comes down to luck as well. If you can get the car to, to the end of uh, of the race, I think we'd be doing well. Because mm. so, anything can happen, you know. So you're making history because you're the first all-female team, yes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're up against the boys. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, there are a number of other ladies racing yes. on mixed teams. But yeah, this is the first this team. Is this the, is the first time we've yeah. had an all-ladies team. And yeah. from the northeast as well, yeah, which is all of great. Us, yeah. Isn't that so, just pure, brilliant? Pure coincidence, <laughs> but it's just worked really well. Who put this Foot. Whose idea was it? Uh, it was mine actually. Um, basically, I just I, my brother actually did the six hour endurance race before, and uh, I, I watched him and he won it. Um, so I I just really wanted to do it myself, and I decided to try find a group of girls who are willing to do it with me, and kind of asked the question before I'd even done anything about it. I hadn't even bought a car or anything, and Amy was actually the first person that I approached, and it was it was straight after her race at the Leinster Trophy, and I was like, Amy, you know, will you do the six hour endurance mm. race, all female team? And she was like, Oh yeah. I had to think about it because my dad is actually racing in it as well. I see that. Yeah, and I was kind of like, oh, great, this is the first time I get to be part of my dad's team. And, you know, I was really looking forward to that. So I was like, sorry, dad, you're right. Actually, I love it. So this will have to settle a good debate in our house as well of who's the fastest woods. So. It's going to be yeah. wicked in the woods. Yeah. Oh, it really is. Is. And we have a cousin with us as well. There's a cousin, Alan Woods, as well, doing it. So it's going to be good fun. And the, and the other thing is I'm up against my brother. Yeah. So my brother, my brother's on another team. Yeah. And um, and I suppose, funnily enough, my ex is on another team. My ex, <laughs> my ex is, my ex is oh, my racing dad's with her dad. <laughs> so uh, it'll be good crack to be. I might turn into bumping cars at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely team tactics going on. <laughs> Nicola, I'm, I'm just saying that could be a bumpy ride round the round the track on it'll, Sunday for all concerned. Well, if you want to come down, actually, just to say as well, spectators are. Um, we're encouraging every spectator to come down actually and support every driver yeah. there, not yeah. just us. I actually, I think it's, it's, it's either it's a 12 euro in uh, to Mandela Park on Sunday, euro and, and 15 euro if you day. don't see the action on the track, we'll definitely have to yeah. on the track. And come up to us in the garage if, if there people if people are coming on the day come yeah. up to us and we'll introduce ourselves and show them the car and you know because yeah. it's really we're all about supporting females in the sport because there's of not course. many of us so mm. we have to have each other's back and if we can kind of help you know young girls get into the sport too that'd be fabulous so anyone that's now, around Amy mentioned there about Sean her dad of course who's a legend and has been years involved in this Emma you didn't lick it off the ground either no no my, uh, my dad is, is he owns a motorsport team uh, he's raised for years back in the 80s uh, and then actually created the Cliff Dempsey racing team in 88 and made the move to the UK but I actually have my two brothers that have raced all years or for many years as well Uh, Peter was on the road to Indy um, in, in America won a very famous race over there called the Freedom 100 which has had I think over 2 million hits at this stage on YouTube so uh, yeah it's it's definitely in the blood in the blood yeah. and Nicola Watkins you the same with your yeah, dad yeah well, I've been around motorsport all my life my dad raced in the 60s um, and um, interestingly enough he raced in Mandalo against drivers like James Hunt mm. and Emerson Fittipaldi um, in, oh. the, in the Formula 4 class I remember Some name that. drops there Nicola <laughs> name drops 
name dropping <laughs> things yeah, in yeah. there. And then my brother, um, he's raced for the last, I suppose, what, 15 years, um, is uh, was Irish striker champion for eight years and then recently won the Irish supercar championship. So um, we, we, we've had a long connection with motor racing and then I've, I've raced in the Fiestas for the last five years but I've actually driven in motorsport since I was about 14. I compete, I've been competing on and off in sporting God, car trials. some impressive c- uh, CVs. And Ruth, who's not with us today, we say hello to her, Ruth Hi, Nugent Ruth. from yeah. Gormanston. She's another passionate yeah. petrol head, isn't she? She, she, she is. is. She's amazing. Yeah. She has marshaled since she's 12 years of age. So she's been a great support to obviously all us racers from the bank. Um, she's taken to it really quickly yes. as well. Um, Ruth is very... Uh, she, she learns really well mm. and when, when you tell her to do something there's definitely a lot of natural ability with her Yes, and uh, she nearly beat one of my times the last day and I wasn't having a bar oh. <laughs> it was very competitive it was very impressed though because I, was, I can tell you I was trying hard and I'm at this a long time and I just yeah. said you know what fair play to her she's going to come on yeah. very well and we're really excited for her as well because you know she hasn't had the best of luck this year and, and for her to come on the team and feel comfortable straight away mm. I think it's a real confidence booster for her do so. you know what I just get from all you your real competitors <laughs> <laughs> well, we're competing with each other yeah. Yeah, like. one, yeah, I just see it here it's the pits no it's not really it's absolutely brilliant I'm having great crack with these girls on late lunch this afternoon I say that because of the racing you know the first female all racing team to uh, don their, uh, their four wheels in Mondello this Sunday is happening in this big race and I'm talking to Nicola Watkins Emma Dempsey and Amy Woods and we do want to mention Ruth Nugent who's not with us today four women on this team they're going to drive for six hours like the clappers and hopefully get across the line first with that checkered flag there is another woman involved in this team Amy oh yeah we do we have uh, Sabrina Larkin um, she's a very good friend of ours um, she's an apprentice mechanic at the moment and she's going to be helping us out on spanner duty at the weekend and Spanner uh, duty is, is yeah. very important when <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely. racing. Absolutely, it's isn't not it? just the drivers; you have to no. have your, your your vehicle up to speed as well. So, mm. um, we'll have her doing that oh. along with Colin Clinton as well. Just yeah. so we had to have another bloke there. Is too. it true your boyfriend is yeah. abandoning you he's on abandoned, Sunday? He's abandoned me. <laughs> yeah, just just uh, put that out there. He's actually going to the cup final for Dundalk on Sunday instead. Will you forgive sure. him? I uh, will see. We'll see. <laughs> not, if, not if you win. No. <laughs> I'm taking two cups. You bring back the one from Mandela and Dundalk and bring it home I from the stadium. And all's well that ends well. Absolutely. I was only getting my way anyway, so it's good. It's good he's out there of the way for today. <laughs> and you wanted to mention, uh, Emmett, like, you've got all great support from your families, all the people around you, your workplace as well. Yeah, absolutely. I work for a company called JL Gore um, Materials and they do polymer solutions. So, they actually said to me if I gave them a mention they'd give me the time off work today <laughs> so I had to put them in but uh, yeah no and they actually sp- sponsored me as well I did a couple of races this year and they were happy to sponsor me as well so they've been really supportive Nicola Watkins the 64 million dollar question that's been asked a million times by men all around the world mainly by men women drivers are you better than us fellas absolutely why because we're safe and we're very caring and considerate <laughs> I'm um, not <laughs> Amy don't be letting us down <laughs> but it is the perennial debate you know the boys think you know motor racing is our emit it's our patch really you know that's the way lads think yeah, but women are good multitaskers. Yeah. I, think, I think women have to have a passion for it. I teach down in Mandalo Park and I would see uh, the general public come in as customers to drive either a single seat or a BMW mm. um, or a couple of different driving experiences. And I have to say, look, the lads, there's more lads for a start. Um, so 
they, and some of them take to it really, really well. A lot of girls are very nervous and I do say that that's something that gets in the way a lot of the time and you have to put that aside if you want to be in this game. You really have to do learn how to control your nerves and how to uh, how to manage that. But there's often been a few girls as well who listen really, really well and that's really important. Some of the lads go, nah, I have this, this is mine. Do you know where girls go, actually tell me what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. Tell me how to do that. And I watch that and I go, Jesus, that was amazing. Like, do you know, that was fantastic. Put took to like a, a duck to water, do you know. So that's really incredible to watch. It's all about putting the nerves behind you and just listening and being being smooth and consistent. Yeah. Is it, you know that drive you get when you hit the accelerator and off she goes. It must be extra special oh, to be racing. Stop. We I don't think we've even. Well, I haven't slept all week just thinking about not? it. No, honestly, I get so uh, just so excited about it. And I was even saying before we came over here, I just can't wait to get into the mm. car tomorrow and sit in and just get a real good feel for it. But yeah, it's, mm. it is exciting. Like it really. There's a great buzz. I mean, the adrenaline. Oh, yeah. The, like uh, yeah, I think my adrenaline levels all week are high. <laughs> like it's just yeah, we just can't wait to get into yeah. the car now tomorrow. I mean, I haven't driven the car yet. The, the girls were out in the car last week. Um, so I'm dying to get into the car. Um, yeah, can't wait. Yeah. I, th- I think it, I don't think there's a feeling like it for mm. me anyway. I think it's um, it's certainly an addiction or maybe an affliction. I would call it because <laughs> you do spend you spend every penny you have, yeah. and sometimes you're down at the track and when you when you switch on the end you go oh here we go Jim, this is fantastic you know. But sometimes you're sitting there and if you've got a good position in qualifying you could be up at the top of the grid and you're going what the hell am I at what am I at what am I at mm. and you're sitting there and you're going Jesus what am I doing and I've often said. What are you at? Just go out and buy a few shoes. Will you be <laughs> happy with that? Uh, Amy, and then no. as soon as the lights go, you're right. Helmet's uh, down, Amy. I'm that's in, I'm it, done. Yeah. Come you know? on. And that's the happy place. You can't beat that. You can't, you just can't. And that's the thing, like, that's why we're all still doing it. Uh, I don't think any of us have any intention of ever stepping out of this game. Yeah. Do you know, it's, 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 we're here it's for, for, for as long as we can yeah. do it. Would you like to sit into an F1 and just take around one lap? Oh, I would that there's be anyone in... who wouldn't. No, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Is that a question? Is that an offer? <laughs> no, no. Got one at the and back. you know the thing is it's never too late because never? Rosemary Smith was in an F Formula yeah. 1 car only last year <laughs> so, and Rosemary is um, I would say just she's in mature mature yeah, yeah she's yeah, a mature yeah, lady yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I was running around and this is funny I suppose I know Rosemary for a very long time since I was a child mm. um, I ran around in Rosie's uh, mink coat when I was three year old at my, <laughs> at my uncle's wedding so you know I know Rosemary a long time and have looked up to her she's been yes. an amazing ambassador for the sport um, and uh, yeah I mean we, you know we all, all I suppose wanted to be a Rosemary Smith you know along the way I met her a couple of years ago it was about four years ago and um, I was like oh my god I'm going to meet Rosemary Smith this is amazing and I went up to her and I was kind of waiting for the, the pearls of wisdom about being a female in motorsport and she just kept giving me tips on how to avoid helmet <laughs> And I was like, that's her day to the ground, fashionable as ever. I was like, I'll take it though, actually. Yeah. Yeah, but I interviewed her after that Formula One drive and she was my guest here in late lunch one afternoon a few years ago. She's a wonderful woman. like, and yeah. She was a trailblazer for women yeah. in motoring Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Uh, and she told me, my God, she said that car, she couldn't believe, mm. you know, what she actually had undertaken for all her years yeah. experience and everything. She said it was something else. And she said, by God, when I got out, I knew I was in that yeah. car. You know what I mean? It was a big ask on. Do you ever have a little tip at all on the track? Oh, oh yeah. Massive, I, yeah. I, I, I rolled my car in Bishop's Court in, um, in, in May, so... 
Yeah, I've had bumps. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still you? I'm still scared from an accident that I had when I was 16 years of age, and it was my first race ever, and I was so excited, and I ended up writing the car off <laughs> in my first race. Amy, well, I didn't even make the race. I've had a few, but they were never my fault. <laughs> <laughs> they never are. I never say know. Amy Woods in your life they could pin nothing on you. No, nothing. No, no. But at I don't do anything wrong. It's not yeah. my fault. <laughs> <laughs> we do have to say a special thanks though to Colin Clinton because yeah. he uh, he's basically a one man band. He's been looking after the car all week and putting yeah. all the parts and bits together for the, the car this weekend. Yeah, so Colin's massive. Been a, Colin's been a very close yeah. friend of mine since we were about 14, 15. He was an apprentice with my dad um, and that's where he learned his trade. So he's been, he, actually, actually come to think of it, I raced, the, my, when I first started racing when I was 19, I raced against Colin um, and I was beating him by a lap actually and then I went off in the corner and he pipped me at the post but oh. still have it. I didn't talk to him for about six months actually <laughs> so you didn't. but he's actually in fairness to him he has worked like tirelessly to get the car yeah. um, set up for us yeah. and we're really grateful for that Okay well listen we're going to leave it there today uh, and wish all of you the very best the weekend bring back the silverware yes. will you Yes. please do thanks <laughs> for joining me <laughs> on the show many. Nicola Watkins Emma Dempsey and Amy Woods Noel, Donald and all the crew at Blackstone Motors our show sponsor yes they sponsor Late Lunch would like to wish Stephen Kenny and Dundalk all the very best in the cup final on Sunday and we say here here to that Blackstone Motors check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie Mary Redmond Usher passed away in 2015 at the age of 65. She was a brilliant employment lawyer, academic and social entrepreneur. She founded The Wheel in 1999 and before that in 1986, the Irish Hospice Foundation. Mary published a book called The Pink Ribbon Path in 2013 about her cancer journey. Now five years on and following her passing in 2015, her son Patrick Usher has updated the original and he joins us on Late Lunch this afternoon. Patrick, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. That introduction really says it all about your mum. She was a remarkable woman. She was a remarkable woman. Um, it's hard for me even to think sometimes that she was also a wonderful mother, given all the amazing things she did. She always had this capacity to drop all those things that she would do outside of the home and still be that loving presence for me when I was growing up. But you're right, she did many, many things, many achievements, the Irish Hospice Foundation, the Wheel, as you mentioned, um, and was also very active in employment law. Yes, and her work, I know that, in that area is so relevant today and will be for many, many years to come. She enjoyed good health for the majority of her life up until she was diagnosed with the breast cancer. That's right. She did enjoy good health up until 2009 when she was uh, diagnosed. Do you remember that time when she got the news? What do you recall of it? Well, actually, uh, in, in a way that was in many ways typical of, of her, she didn't tell me for a few months she didn't, she, because I was very busy with what, what I was doing at university and she kept it from me. So the darkest times for her, which I, I know that they were dark and difficult at the beginning, um, I didn't know so much about them. She told me several months in. Um, but at a certain point after a few months, I know that she decided um, that even though the situation was very difficult, that she was going to do her best to make the courageous choice to live what was still there to be lived. And she certainly did. I quote from the book, she says, to be ill is to be at our most vulnerable and therefore at our most human. Did it take illness for her to think in that way? I think my mother was always a spiritual person, but this illness changed a lot of things for her. The vulnerability was a hard aspect because, you know, she was someone who was deeply engaged in society, she had many achievements. I remember the first thing for her was, of course, when she lost her hair 
and she had to learn, or as she put it, she she learned how to look at those wisps of grey hair that started to grow on her with love and to be able to wear that with pride as she went out. So there was a real learning of vulnerability that is part of the of what she came to call the pink ribbon path. So vulnerability brought this human aspect to her life because before that she was a high flyer, she was always busy, she had to rear you, you know, life brought many challenges to her and then suddenly do you feel that she was sort of stopped in her tracks? In a sense, um, or, or rather that a whole new wonderful aspect of her personality was allowed to emerge from the difficulties that she faced and it's it's kind of hard for me even to fathom thinking of how difficult that time was but she described the path that she came to live as like finding a sunbeam and holding on to that sunbeam in and amongst all the darkness and really sticking with that um but you're right in that she also had to learn to stop and she had to learn to be still um and she really came to appreciate what she would call the quiet miracle of the everyday in a totally new way um and and become so much more, I think, receptive to life and all the joys that were already there. Did her work then take backstage? Did it go backstage? Her work did go backstage. Um, the company she worked for, Arthur Cox, was very kind in allowing her to work at home. She did some um, less, less, uh, less stressful work at home. So she kept things up, but it was still a massive reorientation towards stillness, towards uh, simplicity. That um, was what the Pink Ribbon Path taught her. Now, your grandfather, Sean, had passed away before, a good few years before your mum uh, did. And he had a mantra that he gave to your mother, which in turn she then passed to you. And, and I just want to mention it here, to live, love and leave a legacy. Those words are very special to you and your family. Yes. Do you believe she fulfilled all those? Yes, I, I do believe she fulfilled all those. Um, in some ways, it may have taken to the pink ribbon path years to, to bring them all together. I think she became most fully herself in those last six years. Um, but f- f- for me, there's no doubt that when I think of how she lived, the incredible smile she had all through her life, that that was the countenance of someone who was deeply alive and deeply grateful for being alive. And she used to love just be, being mum, being a being wife, being sister, all these different things. And um, so she loved in a very selfless way. And I think her legacy, you know, listeners may not uh, know so much beyond what she said earlier, but with the Art Hospice Foundation particularly, is something that has uh, touched so many people throughout our, Ireland and will continue to do so. The Pink Ribbon Path was the original. You have now brought out, following the Pink Ribbon Path, why have you come back to this? Well, for several reasons. The most important one is that uh, in my last conversation with my mother, uh, two days before she passed away, I told her that the way she'd lived over the years of her illness were immensely inspirational for me and that she'd lived it very beautifully. And I promised her that I would make the Pink Ribbon Path live on. So the publication of the second edition of the book is fulfilling that promise. And also, for me... um, Although I can only approximate what she, how she lived, I find staying close to the spirit of her path helps me in my own grief. And it helps me to stay close uh, to what she did because she left. I think um, the essence of this path is a path um, that we can all 
learn from and follow and it's a, it's a good roadmap for life. And so many people have followed, are following and will follow this path as well. Six years she bore this illness bravely. When it came towards the end, did she talk to you about that? How was she? Did she accept it? I think she always knew that the, the diagnosis was very poor from the beginning. So that was always in the back of her mind. So I think there was a level of acceptance. On the other hand, she was someone who so deeply loved life that I know she was sad to go. She would have loved to have lived on and so many people, I'm sure, have that feeling at the time, especially, you know, when you feel you have more to give and when you think of younger people as well who are taken all too early. The book is massively spiritual, may I say, and the readings and quotations are inspiring. But in this one, you've brought in other people who have been touched by the original. That's right. We have uh, new contributions from people who are writing about my mum's own writings and reflecting on, on ways in which they have touched them. And they include a range of people, friends, family. Um, and I love bringing in the new contributions because it shows that the path is not just about one person, it's about something so much more than that. And we also have uh, Mary McCallaghan, who's in there, who was taught by my mum at, at UCD. And we have Mary McAleese as well. And also the current CEOs of both the charities that my mum founded are, are included in the book. I want to read, if I may, uh, a lovely passage from the book. It's actually by Father Harry Behan and it's on page 50. And if I may, I'd like to read this for listeners today. What cancer cannot do? It cannot cripple love. It cannot chatter hope. It cannot corrode faith. It cannot eat away peace. It cannot destroy confidence. It cannot kill friendship. It cannot shut out memories. It cannot silence courage. It cannot reduce eternal life. It cannot quench the spirit. It cannot lessen the power of the resurrection. That touched me massively. It's a lovely piece, isn't it? It's a very, very beautiful piece. And it, for me, that piece sums up the essence of the Pink Ribbon Path, that there is that sunbeam in and amongst the darkness that you can hold on to, even with all of the hardship that the illness brings, and that you can turn things around. Mary McAleese at the launch said that the Pink Ribbon Path, in it my mum had turned mourning into dancing. And it's about turning things around and holding on to that sunbeam. May I hand you the book and ask you to read yes. The Pink Ribbon Path for us? I'd like you to do that because I think it would be very special to your mum to do this. Yes, this is the final poem in the book entitled The Pink Ribbon Path. The pink ribbon path is the path of the heart where the cry of the heart is heard. I will stay on this path, walk straight in its curves. I will not be afraid. I will not be perturbed. The pink ribbon path is the path of the heart where the ear of the heart hears you. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And may I said, may I say read beautifully, Patrick, by you today. We have met many people over the years on Late Lunch who've travelled this path as well, like your mum. And there are lots of people listening I know today who are touched by, uh, by this. <laughs> what do you say to people, you know, today listening who are going through what your mum went through? What do you think your... Let me put that this way. What do you think your mum would say to people listening today who are travelling this journey? I would... I would think she would say that 
you, you go through life so rarely loving yourself. Do so now. And I think she would also say that although there is the reality of the darkness of the diagnosis or whatever that may bring, that we can be ill, but we can also be whole at the same time. That we can still live um, a life of meaning and joy and purpose. And that we can so importantly break the continuum of illness by by actively choosing what is there in life to be lived, that, that there is still so much that is there and that we are not defined by a diagnosis. When you say those words, I, I think of a, an extract from the book as well. When you were sitting meditating with her, you describe that as one of the most special times you've ever been with your mom. Why so? There's something very special about sitting in silence with someone you love. Um, there's something, obviously, a deep connection you can have with someone beyond words. I have never experienced anything like that since. Um, I used to, when I was sitting there, and I was always much more of a fidgeter than she was, she would sit very quietly and still. I'd take a little peek at her and I'd see that she was just sitting there smiling. And for me, there was something there in, in her that was someone who was full of a delight in being alive and of, of the simple presence of the moment. And it, it's, it's a memory that I take with me always. Um, there's a deeply special connection that you get with someone in silence in that way. Your mum was a very special woman and her legacy lives on and you are carrying it on in this wonderful book. It's called Following the Pink Ribbon Path and it's uh, by Patrick Mary's son and it's out at the moment. And today on Late Lunch... I've said it a number of times already, there are lots of people listening today who've been through this journey and are on this journey and will be on this journey in the future. I have a copy of the book here, and as is my want on late lunch, I always give it to one listener of the show. Would you like this book? But there's only one proviso. You must have been on this journey at some stage or on it at the moment. Or do you know somebody who is, who you'd like to give this book to? Poems, the quotations, the readings, the endorsements in this book are absolutely fantastic. If you'd like a signed copy, get in touch with us now. Tell us why we should give this book to you or someone you know, and we'll select somebody before the end of the show. Patrick, thank you for joining me on Late Lunch today. Your mother was a wonderful woman, and you can see that she's with you always and will continue to be living on through yourself. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jerry, very much for the opportunity. Jean Flynn has been on to us. Their dog, Bailey, the fireworks the other night, scampered away over Laytown Bridge. Hasn't been seen since. Think uh, it may be in the Gormanston area. A tall dog with light colour hair, red collar and an orange necktie the dog is wearing. Have you found that dog? If you have, give us a shout here. Jean would be grateful to 1850-715-958. Big thank you to all my guests on the show today. And just a message there from Joanna Byrne. Thank you, Joanna. Councillor Joanna Byrne. She really enjoyed Frankie Waters and the, the conversation we had at the top of the show. It brought back memories of when she wore a draw a shirt into Frankie's lectures in DKIT and there was some slag in between them. Thanks indeed, Joanna, for that message. But uh, to Frankie Waters, who joined me today, to Grainne O'Neill and her daughter, Grace Inspiring, uh, to the female motor racing team, Nicola Watkins, Emma Dempsey and Amy Woods, and to Patrick Usher, of course, who you've been listening to just now. Big thank you to Eamon Doyle, who guided me through the last couple of hours. To my producer this week, uh, thanks a million to Louise Walsh. Uh, to our guests who came to the show, our regulars, but especially...
especially to you, our listeners, who join us on Late Lunch every day. Thank you so much indeed. We'll be back with a brand new week of Late Lunch from Monday. Eddie's coming next with the drive. And may I finally say again, good luck to Dundalk on Sunday at the Aviva. It is your turn to lift the cup. Go do it. See you Monday. Have one. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.